Good morning and welcome to Church of the Palms pre-recorded worship service for Sunday, August 30th. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us this way. If you would like to follow along, our bulletin is in our website, churchofthepalms.org. Please go and find the bulletin there. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship God together.
Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water which yields their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither and all that they do they prosper. Let us worship God. God has called us to come to this time of confession, seeking wholeness amid a fragmented world. The false promise of a good life, filled with things, has erected barriers among us. There are dividing walls of hostility separating God's people. We are called to admit our role in this brokenness. Let us pray together. Merciful God, the gift of Jesus' life in us is visible in the way we witness to the fruitfulness of that gift. We know that the fruit of the Spirit consists of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yet, so often we put conditions on our love and joy and peace are difficult to discern when our words and actions deny their presence. By desiring instant results to most things these days, we confess that we forget what it's like to be patient. We find ourselves neglecting the needs of others because we, ruin our, we run out of time to be kind to other than ourselves. When we persistently make self-centered decisions rather than Christ-centered ones, our understanding of your goodness and faithfulness is weakened and our discipleship lacks credibility.
In this aggressive world, it's easy to believe one can't get away anywhere by exercising a spirit of gentleness or even self-control. Gracious and merciful God, grant us your forgiveness and your love so that we may truly care for one another. Refresh and renew us with the Holy Spirit so that we are fruitful and vital disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. God always claims us and loves us. When we confess our lostness and seek new birth in the Spirit, putting to death our selfish pursuits, we can receive what God always offers, participation in God's realm. Receive this gift from God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now unite together and say what we believe by reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to reach out to your loved ones during this time for passing the peace and may the peace of God be with you. Welcome to worship today. We are delighted that you have joined us. Well, we have two new ways for us to connect with one another. This week, on Wednesday, we are starting our Wednesday Night Life, September 2nd. Pastor Steve will be leading us in his God and Hollywood series. So we would invite you this week to watch the movie Shadowlands and then to connect on Zoom at 6.30 for a conversation with Pastor Steve. 
Also, starting September 2nd in the mornings at 9 a.m., we'd love if you would want to join Anita Lustria and myself as we practice Lectio Divina together. We're excited about listening for God's word to us as we hear scripture within the context of a small community that gathers. On the last Wednesday of every month, we hope to introduce another spiritual practice to try together. Both of those classes, you would just register for them on our website, and then you would receive the Zoom link so you could join in. If you are worshiping with us on Sunday morning, August 30th, today is the big day. Fall kickoff is here, drive-through style. And because it's drive-through, we would love for you to join us during the hours of 11 to 12.30, but especially if you could do that by the first letter of your last name. So you can come anytime, of course, but if you're able A through G's to come during that 11 to 11.30, H through M to come from, what are, where are we at, 11.30 to 12, and then the last group to come from 12, from, <laughs> now I've lost it, from 12.30 to one. That's not as easy as it sounds. That way we can serve you better, we can help with the traffic flow, and we would love to see you here. A couple of quick reminders about that. If you would like to bring a jar of peanut butter for our mission partners at Mission Peniel in Immokalee. Also, if you would like to bring a puzzle to swap, if you're into doing puzzles. And third, if you have a faithful, furry, four-legged friend that you would like to bring along, we will have a special treat for him or her at the faithfulness tent, of course. Last announcement. Please remember to wear your very special Fruit of the Spirit mask. This one was made for all of our volunteers and staff by the Loving Stitches ladies. So they will each get one of these. Thank you, Alberta. Thank you, Pat. Even if you don't have a Fruit of the Spirit mask, just wear a mask so that we can all be safe. We look forward to seeing your smiling eyes. Let us now continue worship. Be removed, my 
Mending Wall, a poem by Robert Frost. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen ground swell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one stone on a stone but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. The gaps, I mean, no one has seen them made or heard them made, but at spring mending time, we find them there. I let my neighbor know beyond the hill, and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go, to each the boulders that have fallen to each, and some are loaves and some so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side. It comes to little more. There where it is, we do not need the wall. He is all pine and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbors. Spring is the mischief in me and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before I'd built a wall, I'd asked to know what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand like an old stone savage armed. He moves in darkness as it seems to me, not of woods only and the shade of trees. He will not go behind his father's saying and he likes having thought of it so well. He says again, good fences make good neighbors. Let us now continue to worship God in prayer. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for all your gifts of life and grace and beauty that mark our daily living. We thank you for all of humanity and for every people and language and culture and place. 
We thank you for the amazing creativity displayed and kindness offered and love given and faithfulness kept. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the relationship you invited us to share with you. And we thank you for calling us to love one another, even as you have loved us. O oh God, you are always attentive to our cries and prayers. We pray this day for the cries that confront us. Gracious God, be with all those who are affected by hurricanes, Laura, and other natural disasters. Let us be your instruments of help to them, we pray. Merciful God, we lift up all those who are sick in body, mind, and spirit this day, including those suffering from COVID-19. We pray that a cure and vaccine might be available soon. Be with those who are making their way home to you and comfort those who mourn this day, we pray. Bless and strengthen all those who are in caregiving work. Keep them safe and give them your wisdom, we pray. We remember those who are first responders, those who serve in the military and mission fields, and those who lead the governments. Lead and bless each of them according to your will, we pray. Powerful God, once more we pray for your protection for all the students, teachers, and professors around the world. Now we bring all our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, it's the time we call a moment of gratitude here at Church of the Palms. King David, in First Chronicles chapter 29, said, to God. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. Indeed, all things we have come from God. Like King David long ago, let us now give our offerings generously as an expression of our love and gratitude to God so that all God's children, near and far, may receive God's love and care. Let us give.
Let us pray. Generous God, over and over again, your love provides for us. Over and over again, your grace sustains us. Over and over again, your strong arm stabilizes us. O oh God of generosity, may we respond in kind, and with joy we give these gifts. In the name of your loving Son, Jesus our Lord, amen. Good morning. I am uh, very happy. I have the great pleasure of offering today's children's moment. And my name is Miss Sarah. And I want to first say, please come see us on Sunday morning. After the service, we have all sorts of fun things planned. Miss Carol and Miss Lisa have been working so hard putting together special treats for the whole congregation and some extra special stuff just for our children. But today's children's moment isn't just for our children. It's for our children. It's for our students. It's for our parents of children and our parents of students and our teachers and our educators and everyone who is working hard to return to school this year. We are praying for you. We are wishing you safety and success and joy and learning. And well, I got to talking about how excited I was about everyone going back to school. And you know what? There's an awful lot of people here at Church of the Palms who care so much about you. You are so dear to us, all of you, parents and teachers and students. We're thinking of you. And there are a few people here who wanted to tell you so. It is finally time for school to start up again. How exciting. Guys, you are gonna have so much fun seeing your friends and familiar faces and your teachers. I can't wait to see you whenever that will be. This is an exciting time, but I know that it might actually be a little strange or maybe a little even scary for some of you. Regardless of how you will go back to learning this fall, whether it's at school or at home, I wanna send you a special blessing. It's a back to school blessing. God, I pray for you all. I pray for the students. Bless them as they go back to school. Bless the parents and the teachers as they navigate this new year of learning. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. I miss getting to see you all in person and I can't wait until we can meet again. Uh, until then, I just wanted to welcome you to the new school year. Uh, I know this year looks different from the past, so my prayer for all of you is that you can find a sense of normalcy and safety in whatever school looks like for you. Uh, I also pray that you can use this time to not only learn well, but to continue to love your neighbors and your friends just as God loves us. See you guys soon. Hello boys and girls. I hope you have a blessed school year. I miss you so much. I hope that it's a good year for you and that God is with you. Hey, Church of the Palms families. I hope that this school year will be one of the best ever despite all the circumstances, whether you're sending your kids to school, you're online or you're homeschooling. May you be blessed in your efforts. And I pray that um, you have a wonderful school year. Take care. All our students of different 
ages and all classes. This is Pastor Mingyi wishing you the very best beginning of the school year and all year long. I pray and hope that this year will be a good one, even better than before. And you will be the witnesses of God's love and grace in all that you say and all that you do. And I also pray that you will be very, very smart and studying will be good and smooth and easy. And you'll make new friends and have a good time with old friends. As this unique 2020 school year begins, may you continue to grow in faith and share your love and talents with others. And always remember, you're never alone. Your church family is here praying for you. And we are with you on this crazy adventure called life. <laughs> with that, peace and love to you all. And go get them, class of 20. Hi, John and Marley are here. Happy day. May you find great joy in meeting old friends and making new ones. I hope you learn some new things and teach others something you know that they do not. This is the essence of sharing, like sharing the good news. Make each day a blessing and have fun doing so. Right, bud? Hi, friends. It's Pastor Lori. This year, whether you are entering preschool or elementary school or middle school or high school or even college, this year is going to feel very strange, maybe even harder than it ever has before. Well, I just want to reassure you that wherever you go, you never go alone. God is always with you. And remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And I think this year, more than any other, is a time to let your light shine and bring God's love and comfort and kindness to all the kids that might need a little extra special care just this year. So may the Lord bless you and keep you on the first day of school and every day after. Amen.
first scripture reading passage is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Continuing with Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jonathan and Lori. We are 
grateful to be here at this wonderful weekend in which we uh, kick off our new church year. I know that feels pretty strange with not being here on the campus and yet we know that in the spirit we can be beginning a new year together and this year we will be following this wonderful theme of the fruit of the spirit. It was just read from Galatians and the chance for us to focus on each of the fruit of the spirit over the course of this year. We will be looking at uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, one each month. So this coming month, we'll be looking at the spiritual gift and the fruit of love. And we look forward to uh, walking through that month and sharing with you different perspectives on that particular fruit. And then on to the next one, joy, in October and following. So we hope that you will uh, join with us in that in so many different ways. But we especially hope to see you uh, this morning, later this morning, as we have our drive through And you can experience right here on our campus uh, some of the wonderful uh, things we have in store for you as we begin this year together. Let us pray. By your grace, O Lord, and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come, to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, that we may find engendered within us this fruit of the Spirit, such that we may bring such fruit to bear in the world. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. When the truth is all you have is the title of a book written by a seminary classmate of mine, Jim McCloskey. And in it, he tells the story of his rather remarkable ministry to which he was called while as a student at Princeton Theological Seminary. It's been a ministry seeking exoneration for prisoners serving life sentences or death sentences over which they have been wrongly convicted. 35 years ago, Jim founded an organization called Centurion Ministries, a, a ministry whose mission it is to learn about the stories of those who perhaps have been wrongly accused and convicted. And over those 35 years, Jim and his team have procured the release of 63 people unjustly convicted. 63 people sentenced to life in prison or death who have been set free because of the passionate ministry of this man. And it all began when he was a seminary student assigned to visit the Trenton State Prison in nearby Trenton, New Jersey. One of the inmates he had been assigned to meet with was a man by the name of Jorge de los Santos, and through their weekly meetings, Jorge began to convince Jim that he was, in fact, an innocent man, that the prison bars behind which he stood were for him a false narrative. He had been wrongly accused and convicted. Now, Jim had been told in his training as a chaplain that every prisoner sees it as his or her job to try to convince those who visit them of their innocence and, and that chaplains especially were forbidden to get involved with any efforts to seek their release. But Jim began to really hear the story of this one inmate and he began to believe it and in turn he began his own research and investigation and began to find the threads of evidence that began to form a tapestry of injustice. Long story short, several years later, through Jim's dogged persistence, Mr. De Los Santos was found innocent of the crime of which he had been convicted and was set free. 
It wouldn't have happened had it not been for one person who saw past the prison bars to the person who saw past the person to hear the story and who saw past the story to see the soul. It takes a lot of persistence, I suppose, to look past the bars to the person and to look past the person to hear the story and to look past the story and to see the soul stitched within. Now I know that you will agree with me that there are a lot of people behind bars that don't deserve to be there. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up there was always a certain kid that we had put behind bars. Every grade school, middle school, or even high school has its collection of kids who don't measure up to the standards of social acceptance. And all it takes is for a kid to walk a little awkward or have some sort of physical challenge or carry a few more pounds than everyone else before the rest of your contemporaries will lock you up in a cell, the cell of their own prejudice. I remember girl in fact named Liz who was sort of big for her age and had funny looking glasses and wasn't the smartest kid in the class and and she oh boy she was fodder for us boys who found all sorts of creative names to call her we we made fun of her on the playground and snickered when she gave the wrong answer in class and and there she sat in her little desk inside her little prison cell None of us the least bit interested in the person, the story, the soul. And it seemed more often than not that Liz was always late to school, always coming in after the bell, which of course was another thing we made fun of. It never dawning on us that we were the reason she was late. Being late meant that she could come in all by herself and free from our daily taunts. But as I said, that wouldn't have dawned on us because we were too busy being insecure about ourselves to be the least bit curious about the person, the story, the soul of Liz. She died a long time ago. I noticed it on one of our high school Facebook pages. And by then it was too late for me to apologize on behalf of all those Gordon Elementary boys who had daily broken her heart. It doesn't take much for us to put people behind bars and it takes a lot of persistence to look past the bars, to see the people, to see their souls, to hear their stories. We live in a day and age when it seems easier and easier to put people behind bars and harder and harder for us to get them out. Spend 60 minutes in front of any cable news show and you will be presented the caricature of at least a dozen people. He's a liberal, she's a racist, he's a no good protester, she's an ignorant member of that party and the caricatures get wilder and wilder and more creative and before you know it, the picture doesn't even represent the person and if there's a story behind this living soul, well, we really don't care to know about it and like good old Liz, we just talk behind their back and build that prison cell. Which makes me wonder if it isn't the reason why the Bible is always talking about fruit. 
Have you ever noticed how often the Bible talks about fruit? From the first page of the Bible, from the literal first page of the Bible to the literal last page of the Bible, fruit seems to be the main topic of conversation. Adam and Eve get put into the Garden of Eden to till the garden so that it bears fruit. God says that Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus says that it will be by their fruit that you will know them. John says that at the end of it all, there will be in the middle of the heavenly city this big fruit tree for the healing of the nations with a different fruit for every month. Paul says that there is this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit, fruit, fruit. And then Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Fruit, it appears, is the name of the game, the whole thing about God, you and me. It's all about the fruit. It's all about, apparently, what fruit we are producing. My Father is the vine grower, Jesus says, and he removes every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, and every fruit, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Fruit is the name of the game. Jesus is about this mission of drawing out of us the fruit that is within us. Let me say that again. Jesus is about this mission of drawing out of us the fruit that is within us. Now the interesting thing about fruit is that it comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes and skins. You will not find a more diverse species than the species of fruit. Every kind of fruit tree bears its own fruit, and every fruit looks different from every other kind of fruit. Enough so that if you were a particular kind of fruit, you might wonder what in the world makes that other guy a fruit when the apple looks over at the banana and sees its funny-looking, long and lanky body covered with an inedible skin. It might likely say to itself, yeah, you can't be a fruit. Fruit have edible skin and cores and stems and tastes like apples. And when the banana looks over at the lemon and sees that, well, yeah, it's got the same color, but it doesn't share the same shape. And, and if that isn't bad enough, the banana cannot get its mind around this sour juice that comes out of a lemon. It's bound to say that there can't be a fruit. And when the lemon looks at the pineapple and sees this impenetrable outer skin with that green sharp thing sticking out the top, not to mention that ugh, sweet, juicy, stringy stuff inside, how can that thing call itself a fruit? And then not to mention, of course, things like prickly pears and those Kiwano melons. Man, I'm not even going to get close to those bumpy, thorny creatures. But it's the farmer and the chef and the cook that will tell you that the great thing about fruit is that they're not the same. The great thing about fruit is that they taste different. Where would the world be if banana was all it meant to be a fruit? Where would we be without lemon? What in heaven's name would we put into our iced tea? Yes, I'll have an unsweetened iced tea and, and would you put a banana in it? I'm afraid some of you might try that. It isn't easy to get yourself into a pineapple or a prickly pear. Oh, but once you do, ah, ooh la la. 
So it makes sense that when the apostle starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't just name one thing. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is love or, or the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. No, he, he says, there, oh, there's so much fruit, a cornucopia of fruit. And, and the Spirit, the Spirit germinates it all within us. And it's the farmer Jesus whose mission it is to draw out of us the fruit that is within us. And it comes in all shapes and sizes and skins, which unfortunately has been our problem. It is these different shapes and sizes and skins that seem to get in our way when Jesus invites us into this mission to join him in drawing out of other people the fruit that is within them. We, we have this temptation to narrow the classification of fruit. It, it can't be a fruit if it doesn't look like me or talk like me or act like me or love like me. It can't be a fruit if it has a different color of skin or a hard shell or a prickly rind. No sense, we say, trying to, get, trying to get the fruit out of that one. Oh no, Jesus says, my father is the fine dresser. And he's going to work on those branches until he gets some fruit. Can you imagine yourself a fruit farmer? Can, can you imagine that that the, what the work of the Holy Spirit is, that what the fruit of the Spirit is for is to help us to see the fruit in every other living soul. I suppose that's what love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control are for, correct? The whole fruit of the Spirit thing is to draw out the fruit of the Spirit out of everybody else. What, that's the whole point of Jesus' ministry, right? To take the rough and tumble and foolish and sometimes dopey disciples and tease the fruit out of them. To, to call Zacchaeus down out of that tree, the, the cheat Zacchaeus out of that sycamore tree and tease him, tease him and tease out of him the fruit. To, to brush aside the stone-throwing stone teachers of the law and tease the fruit out of them to sit down next to the unclean leper and put his hand on him and tease out the fruit to pause before the bleeding woman and tell her that her faith has made her well and to see almost in the blink of an eye that fruit beginning to germinate within her oh Jesus says it's by their fruits you will know them Yet we have these qualifications that keep us from sampling all the fruit. We won't inspect because of the size, the shape, the color, the skin. What matter is it to you, Jesus says, if they're black, brown, or white? What, what matter is it to you that they're big or small? What matter is it to you that they're gay or straight? What matter is it to you that they are of this party or that party or if they march with that group or that group? There is fruit under that skin, my friend. It's all about the fruit. So it makes me think of a guy named Bill. Bill was a member of a previous church I served and he was none too happy that I was its pastor. I had dug my hole pretty quick with Bill. I was 
first too young to be his pastor. He didn't like some of the early decisions I made and the icing on the cake was that I stood up to his bullying me in a congregational meeting, something that no little wet behind the ears pastor was going to do with this Ivy League lawyer. Bill paid me a few visits in my first year just to put me in my place and the last one came with his announcement that he was never coming back to a church of which I was the pastor. An announcement I received with great joy, though I don't think it's the joy that's in that list of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul was talking about. Nevertheless, as he walked out the door, I faintly said that he was welcome back any time, and if he ever did need a pastor, he could call on me. Honest engine, I said those words, but I'm not too sure I meant them. So I wrote Bill off, not unlike I wrote off Liz in the sixth grade. Three months later, I'm at home, lying on the couch watching TV. It's about 9.30 in the evening, and a knock comes to the door. We lived in the church manse right across the street from the church, so people knew where I lived. I opened the door, and there was Bill crocodile tears streaming down his cheeks. I open the door and Bill says, I'm so sorry to, disturb, to interrupt you tonight, but it's my boy. My boy's in trouble. He's in jail. He's done something really wrong and I don't know where to go. Can I talk to you? And I said to myself, boy, you really don't know where to go if you're talking to me. Well, we sat down in the kitchen and Bill told me the whole story about it not being his son's first visit to jail and all of his drug issues and on and on. And then he said, you know, I can't seem to get through to him. But you know, you're pretty close to his age and I thought that maybe, maybe you could go down to the jail and visit him. Maybe it was an act of desperation but nevertheless, there we sat, two people who had months before not seen anything good, nothing good in each other. Two men imprisoned by our prejudices of each other. But there we were, me finally getting to see the fruit, the fruit of this broken-hearted, passionate, scared father who had this deep love this deep love for his son, and him seeing, I'm not too sure what he saw, except maybe a young sapling that might have some fruit to offer his boy. But it was the start of something that continued for a long time after. You know, when Jesus began his ministry in the Gospel of Luke, he says to his hometown synagogue that the Spirit has anointed me to proclaim release to the captives. And I never thought much about the fact that when it comes to captives, that maybe sometimes I'm the jailer. Maybe the prison bars are of my making. There's fruit in them thar branches, the Father says. There's fruit inside every living soul, every size, shape, 
and color. And it takes one to know one. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. And those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.